0: But tonight, my topic is a committed servant. My topic is a committed servant. And you know, Pastor has been sharing on the Servanthood series, and he decided to plug me into it. And so the topic tonight is a committed servant. And this is part of the Servanthood series. You know, as Pastor just shared all the announcements. You know, we have so many opportunities coming up as a church, as a spiritual family, as a fellowship to serve. There are so many opportunities coming up. So many events we're doing. So much stuff we're trying to do. God is trying to use this church, this movement, Victory Life, to reach the community right here in Ben Wheeler, Edom, and Tyler, Texas. Northeast Texas. And not only that, we're going to reach Northeast Texas. We're going to Arkansas, to Louisiana, to Oklahoma. We're already in California. God is going to use us. But first, got to get our own house in order. And I believe that's why God put it on Pastor Raymond's heart to start a series on servanthood. Because even though we may have all these opportunities to serve, the question is, are we plugging ourselves in to serve in the house of God? And so 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 10, and the word of God reads like this. And the word of God reads like this. Amen. Amen. It says, As each one has received a special gift. Somebody say special. special. Everybody, everyone. Each one has received a special gift. God has blessed you and birthed you with a special gift to help his kingdom move forward, to help the furtherment of the gospel here on the earth. Each one has received a special gift. And with this special gift... Now Peter tells us what to do with it. He says employ it, use it, in serving one another. Somebody say one another. another. In serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You want to know how to be a good steward of what God has given you? Help somebody else. Serve somebody else. Help somebody else make it. The stuff that was given to you freely, the things you were taught, the things you were discipled, Pour it into someone else. That's how you become a good steward of the grace of God. And keep going to verse 11. And whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. And he who serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So then in all things God may be glorified. Who's glorified? Who's glorified? God. God is glorified when you begin to serve one another. Come on, somebody. Through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. And all the saints said? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. I want to hear you pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, come on, pray that you receive something tonight. Don't always rely on the pulpit to make sure you hear a word from the Lord. Begin to stir up the Spirit yourself and ask God to minister to your heart. I promise you, if you are hungry for righteousness tonight, God will fill you up. And so, Father, we come to you right now as a body, Lord, and we pray that your word penetrates our hearts, God. Bring conviction into our life and allow us to grow in the grace and knowledge which is hidden in your son, Jesus. Allow us, Lord, to apply the word and become a better servant in our area of ministry, God. Give us wisdom and show us where we need to plug ourselves in to serve and give us the grace we need to accomplish the task you set before us, God. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. And the saints said, Amen. 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 And so we're talking in the servanthood series. The servanthood series. And I'm trying to come at a different angle. You know, we're going to be pumping this word into you for a month or so. We're going to be preaching this word for a month or so. You know, God put it on Pastor Raymond's heart. You know, he put it on my heart. I really believe if we take hold of this thing and we begin to deny pride, put our ego on the back burner, and we find an opportunity to serve and help somebody else, I believe God is the one who's going to bring the harvest. God is the one who's going to bring the blessing. God is the one who's going to bring the increase. But we have to put pride on the back burner and find an opportunity to serve. Find an opportunity to serve. And when we talk about serving When we talk about new events and we talk about new ideas and we talk about new outreaches and we talk about all these new things that we want to do and we think would be a blessing and we want to be a part of, let me tell you something, it ain't going to mean nothing if there's no commitment involved in it. If there's no commitment involved in it, all you're doing is talking fairy tales. All you're doing is, is talking old folklore. All you're doing is telling little stories. Commitment has to be involved when we talk about servanthood. When we talk about servanthood, when we talk about serving, when we talk about taking this church, this ministry to the next level, guess what? Commitment has to be involved. And commitment is one of the biggest words we preach in the home. Because us coming from the background we come from, we don't like to commit to anything. We don't like to finish anything. We're real good starters. We can start a whole bunch of stuff, but the question is, can you finish it? And with God's house and God's church and God's ministry, he's not going to allow us just to start a bunch of events and ministries and outreaches and programs and not see it through. You want to know why? His reputation's on the line. God's reputation is on the line. And when you start making God look bad, God will remove you from the scene. God will remove you from the scene. Amen. But when we're talking about servanthood, there has to be commitment involved. I was talking to a pastor and, you know, I believe God gave me this angle on the servanthood series, a committed servant, a committed servant. When we talk about new things to do with the church, commitment is what has to fuel ideas. If you're not available and you're not reliable and you're not committed to carry out the task of which you're presenting, then you need to share it with somebody else who is committed, available, and dependent to do it. We're, tra- we're trying to take this thing to the next level. Right. This isn't just a, a wind in the breeze. This isn't us just hearsay. God is going to blow this church up. God is going to fill every chair. God is going to bring souls into the kingdom here at Victory Life. God's going to bring the increase. I, I claim it in the name of Jesus. I believe it. We can see it. Our pastors on fire. The leadership's on fire, and we're just waiting for you to get a burning underneath yourself to get committed to serve in this house. We need some people that are just as on fire as our pastor is about serving and preaching and teaching and evangelizing and doing outreaches and events. But if we're not committed, it's just hearsay. It's just hearsay. You see, check this out. You can have a desire, saints, but without commitment, whatever it is will be short-lived. You can have a desire to, to get off drugs and alcohol. You can have a desire to change your life. You can have a desire to come in the home and start the one-year-long Christian recovery program. You can have a desire, but without commitment, it will be short-lived. And do you want to know what commitment is? Man, I love this statement so much, I went and printed it and put it on the wall back there. Commitment is staying loyal to what you said you would stay loyal to, even when the mood has left that you set it in. That's what commitment is, guys. For you guys in the home, commitment is staying loyal to what you said you would stay loyal to, even when the mood has left when you said it. Because, you know, when we first come into home, we say all kinds of stuff. Oh, I'm with you, Pastor. I'm with you, Zechariah. Oh, I'm with you, Jesus. I'll do whatever you ask. I need anything. Please. I'm broken. I'm desperate. And in the three-month mark, you're talking about, nah, I don't want to do that. Man, I'm gone. I'm out of here, man. Give me my stuff. I'm gone. i ain't doing it. And even in the church perspective, we start serving and we start doing something right. But then it starts getting a little taxing and it starts getting a little uncomfortable and we don't see the results we want to see. And it don't go the way in our nice little mind that we think it should go. And then all of a sudden we're not as committed to do it anymore. We're not as committed to serve anymore. We're not as committed to carry out that mission, that outreach. Do you know there was a story in the Bible where Jesus sent his disciples through Samaria? He said, round everybody up. We're having a big event. We're having a revival. Jesus is coming. He's in the flesh. It's God in the flesh. I'm going to be here. Miracles, healings. And those disciples went through the town of Samaria. Knocking on doors, and they was excited, and they was handing out tracts and handing out flyers and telling people there's going to be cotton candy and free food and catfish and uh, all kinds of stuff. They were excited. They were motivated. They had Jesus in the flesh with them. And guess what? When they were done evangelizing for the event, guess how many people showed? Zero. Zero people came from Samaria. And you know what the disciples said? Well, since I didn't see the results I wanted to see, let's call fire down on this town. What? Let's call fire down on Edom. They ain't trying to hear it, Pastor. No, let's ride by. Let's egg the gas station, man. Yeah. <laughs> that dude's Muslim anyway. Come on, Pastor. Yeah, let's, let's egg the gas station. Come on. Let's ride on this, man. Come on, Pastor. Right? And you know what Jesus said to his disciples? They didn't see the results they wanted to see. They went and they served and they poured their heart into it and they gave everything they had. And Jesus turned around and he said, you don't even know what spirit you are of. You don't even know the cut of the cloth you're from, disciple. Peter, you don't even understand it. You see me, I'm in this thing for life. That's what Jesus said. And I'm not going to see the results I see. You see the people I'm dying for, they're spitting on me. They're yelling, crucify him, crucify him. They'd rather see a murderer, a thief off the cross than see the Son of God walk free. Those are the type of people Jesus died for. Jesus didn't see the results he wanted, but guess what? He stayed obedient to God's plan, no matter what. It says he stayed obedient even unto death for the joy set before him. Stayed obedient even unto death. Some of us, one event goes wrong and we want to quit. We're done. Right. But it's not going to be like this in victory life, because guess what? The pastor here, the pastorship, the leadership, we're going to bring you in close. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pump some more word of God into you, some more life into you and say, hey, guess what? Next time is going to be better. And God's going to bring the increase. So don't fret. Don't sweat it. Don't get discouraged because God is in this thing. God is in this thing. So just be committed. Just be committed. Pastor used to tell me all the time, son, there's only a few things that I possess that made God use my life the way he used it. I said, what is it, Pastor? He said, availability, he said, holiness, and he said, faithfulness. And that's all you need to be successful in ministry availability, holiness, and faithfulness. And that's all you need to be successful in ministry. But commitment, check this out, Saints, commitment draws the line between people talking. And people actually doing. Commitment draws the line. So many things can keep you from serving. But commitment will put all those things aside and serve. And we must understand as we serve others and as we serve in the house of God, it is actually pleasing to God. And so tonight, if you got a pen, if you got a journal, a smartphone, whatever you got, a good memory, whatever... You know, I'm going to give you seven reasons to serve. Number one, this is the first reason to serve. We were created to serve others. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. I'm going to go through this list quick. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. We were created to serve others. A lot of people are miserable in their current situation because they're actually avoiding the true purpose for their life. People that got stuff got money, got a career, they're miserable because they're actually missing the true purpose for their life. Ephesians 2.10, and the word of God reads, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, to serve other people, to help something besides ourselves, for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You were literally purposed. You were literally formed. You were literally created to get outside of self and serve other people. To help other people. So if you're not serving other people or helping other people in any way right now, that might be a reason that you are miserable right now in your life. Number one, we were created to serve others. Number two, it proves servanthood. Number two, it proves we belong to Christ. Romans chapter 7, verse 4. Servanthood proves that we belong to Christ. Serving is proof you belong in the body of Christ. And the Word of God reads... Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ so that you might be joined another to him who was raised from the dead in order that what? That we might bear fruit for God. When you get outside of self and begin to serve and help, that proves that you're in the true vine. That proves that you're a real family member. Amen? Amen. It proves that you're really a son or a daughter of God. Number three, we serve God by serving others. We serve God by serving others. Well, I'm trying to serve God. I'm not with all that home stuff. I'm not with all that ministry stuff. I don't even like people. Well, guess what? If you like God, if you love God as much as you say you do, then you're going to love the people that he created. You serve God by serving other people. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And as he pulls it up, in Matthew 25, Jesus said, when you feed and clothe those in need, you're actually feeding and clothing me. That's what Jesus said. You're actually feeding and clothing me. Colossians 3, 23. I'm trying to get through this list real quick. And the word of God reads, whatever you do, Anything and everything, whatever you do, no matter how trivial or minute or or minimal it seems to you or how big and great and extreme it is, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Verse 24. Do it heartily, brother. Amen. Amen. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. It is the Lord Jesus whom you serve. When you're serving somebody else, you're actually serving Jesus. Amen? Number four, we owe God everything. Number four, here's the fourth reason, and this one right here should be enough. Number four, another reason to serve, we owe God everything. Listen, most of us in this room right now, you wouldn't even have this opportunity of breathing if it wasn't for the grace of God. If it wasn't for the grace of God. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you wouldn't even be in this room right now. And then when God asks you to serve and get outside of self, you get frustrated and angered. Yet you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for God. Number four, you owe God everything, man. Number five, it is the best use of our lives. The best use of your life is serving other people. And you can write the scripture down, 1 Corinthians 15, 56. Number six, serving makes life meaningful. Serving makes life meaningful. And that's Mark 835. They even go far as to say, if you're not, you're not even living, if you're not serving. And number seven, this is the last one on the list, serving will be rewarded in eternity. As Pastor was sharing the other day. What are those words that the Bible says. Jesus is going to say. When we see him face to face. He's not going to say well done. Good and faithful preacher. He's not going to say well done. Good and faithful pastor. He's not going to say well done. Good and faithful husband. He's not going to say well done. Good and faithful daughter. He's not going to say well done. Good and faithful boss. No Jesus, the Bible says Jesus. When he sees us. He's going to say well done. Good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. So if you're looking to see Jesus face to face in the next life, you better become a servant. Because the Bible says those are the people that's going to see the eyes of Jesus in the next life. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? But those are the seven reasons to serve. Servanthood. There's the seven reasons. Uh, I got three points. I'm going to try and get through them as quick as I can. Number one. I know we got food waiting on us, right? Number one, when it comes to servanthood, when it comes to servanthood, you first must be committed to God and his church. You will never be a successful servant if you're not committed to God and his church. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. And the word of God reads, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and you are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building... Being fitted together. This is you. You're a part here. You're a brick. You're a pillar. You're a wall. You're a floor. Some of you are a roof. Whatever it is. We're knit together. Right? You're knit together being the holy temple in the Lord. And in verse 22. In whom you are being built together. How are we being built? Together. How are we being built? Together. together. We're being built together. This is the Bible. This is the word of God. We are being built Together. Into a dwelling of God, into the spirit. Amen? You know, a lot of churches today, it's sad, but their goal is church attending. It's not conversions. It's not discipling. It's just trying to get the numbers up. I you know you heard it come across this pulpit before. The success of a church or ministry is not evaluated or it's not, it's not discovered by how many people attend, but it's discovered by how many people's lives are really being changed. That's how you discover a success of a church or a ministry. And I tell you what, if you stick around here for a little bit, you're going to have a life change. You can't stay the same and hang out here. You can't stay the same and hang out here. You can't. You should tell the people in the home, if you just stay, God will change you. I promise. God will change you. God will change you. And so, listen, your goal, it can't be to attend church, but your goal has to be to be the church. Your goal can't be to attend church, it has to be be the church. And some people in our society, because we're a consumer society and we're always looking, aren't we, on the internet, we're looking for the best deal to get something we want for the cheapest price. And what we do now in in this nation, what we do now is we come into the church with a spiritual consumer mentality. We walk in the doors, and we want to know if we can get what we want from this church by paying the cheapest price. Wow, that's bright. hit some of you on the way home. A consumer mentality, man. They come in the church today, and they see if they can get what they want out of the church by paying the cheapest price. You have to get rid of the consumer mentality if you ever want to become a successful servant of God. If you want to reach the highest heights of your spirituality with Jesus and your relationship with him, you have to get rid of the consumer mentality. Quit weighing what you're getting in reverence in reverence to what you're paying or what it's costing you. Sometimes the sacrifice that a ministry has don't make sense. And that's okay because in the Bible, Jesus didn't make sense a lot of times either. A consumer mentality... In a way that some of us could uh, relate. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> yeah, We're not married to the church. We're treating the church like a side piece. Oh. We're treating the church like a friend with benefits. We come to church and it's our friend in everybody's face. But we just want the benefits of the church. We don't want a real commitment to the church. Oh, yeah. We don't want a real commitment to the church. The church is just a friend with benefits. And we go out the next weekend in the world and we live our life and we get joy out of the things of the world. We get joy out of the sinful pleasures of the world. We get joy out of feeding the flesh and we come in the church and we just want to reap the little benefits on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. I don't know if I'm preaching too loud or this thing's too loud. Preaching too loud? Okay, bro, I'm sorry. And so if you're not married to the church, guess what? A lack of commitment is exposed. You can tell people who aren't married to the church, aren't committed to the church, they value other things in their life more than the church. People who aren't married to the church, aren't committed to the church, guess what? They will begin to tolerate doctrinal impurity. They'll begin to let the the word of God, it's not so, man, you can do that. It's not really specific in the word. It It don't really say you can't. Uh, Drink that or pop those or shoot that It never really says that in the word You begin to tolerate doctrinal impurity If you're not committed to the church You will begin to compromise morality You'll compromise your morality If you're not committed to the church Because if you're committed to the church Guess what, you're going to be here every Wednesday night You're going to be here every Sunday morning You're going to be at every event You're going to be serving every opportunity you got And guess what, if you're not living right You are not going to be able to sustain In that kind of environment You can't stay here and serve and go forward and not be living right. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Check this out. You live on past accomplishments if you're not committed, if you're not married. Oh, and here's the one we're keying in on tonight. If you are not committed and married to the church, you will neglect. Somebody say neglect. Neglect. You will neglect opportunities to serve. You'll neglect opportunities to serve. I heard a preacher say the other day, he said, preaching the gospel don't send people to hell. Jesus don't send people to hell. The love of Christ don't send people to hell. You know what sends people to hell? The neglect of the so-called Christians and saved people that are supposed to be serving and preaching the good news. That's what sends people to hell. The neglect of the word of God going forth out of the supposed really saved people. The neglect of the servanthood Out of the saved Christian people and the opportunities they have to serve and minister. Preach the gospel. And it's not even just about preaching behind a pulpit or sharing a word. I'm telling you, your little acts of kindness and love will speak more than any word behind a pulpit will. To somebody who's looking for the love of Christ. Somebody who's really looking for it. If you're not committed, you'll become lukewarm. If you're not committed to the church, you'll become materialistic. If you're not committed to the church, you'll possess arrogant self Confidence. And now for the good list. I'm trying to make you feel good now. People married to the church, people committed to the church, you can see that too. It shows fruit too. They actually join the church. They don't just come and show up, they actually join the church. They're proud to stay. They're a member of Victory Life. They're proud to say that they serve here at Victory Life. When they go out and they have lunch in the town or they go to an event somewhere else or another church, they are proud to say, man, I'm a a worship leader at Victory Life. Man, I'm an associate pastor at Victory Life. Man, I'm a deacon at Victory Life. They're proud to say it, and they join the church. If you're committed to the church, guess what? People who are committed and married to the church, they make the church a priority in their life. They make make the church a priority. And the serving in the church, the opportunity to serve in the church, they make it a priority in their life. They make it a priority in their life. Do You want to know what's a priority in your life right now? I can, give you, I can give you a test. What do you spend your most money on? What do you spend your time on? That's what's a priority in your life. That's what's a priority in your life. What do you spend your most money on? What do you spend all your time on? That's a priority in your life. That's how you wait. Man, is the church really a top priority in my life? That's how you can tell. I ain't even got to talk to you or tell you. You can go and evaluate yourself. Amen? Come on, somebody. People that are committed to merit to the church, they make the pastor's job a joy. Pastor Appreciation Day is coming up. You want to know how you can bless your pastor, appreciate your pastor? Be committed to this church. That's how you can bless your pastor. Be committed to this church. People who are committed to the church, married to the church, so you say, right? They make a pastor feel good about what he does. They, the pastor sees the fruit in his life. Man, he can see it. People that are committed, people that are serving. And right now, I'm not trying to bash this church at all. Our church, Victory Life, man, we are doing Awesome. Right now, you know, we're doing so many good things. We've grown so much from when I've been around, from the past. What I see, the fruit I see, the amount of people coming in, the amount of people actually serving, the amount of people actually putting the church as a priority, it's a blessing, man. It's awesome. But guess what? There ain't no direction but up from here. There ain't no direction but up from here. We're going to keep growing. We're going to keep serving. We're going to keep doing events. God is going to use us, man, to touch Northeast Texas. Do y'all believe that? God's going to use us, man. God's going to use us. I mean, look at us now. Just the size and just the amount of time we've been doing this. When you talk in regards to a youthful ministry with other pastors or other ministers or other homes, even in our fellowship, we are a young ministry. We are a young ministry. Ten years or less, is that's young for a ministry. We are a young ministry, and we are already more blessed, I feel like, than a whole lot of ministries. I feel blessed, man. I don't know about y'all, but I feel blessed. When I look around at who I used to be and what God's done in my life and using me and pouring through me right now, I am blessed. I am blessed. God is blessed. All you got to do is jump in this river. All you got to do is jump in this. Start serving. Find an opportunity to serve. God wants to bless you too, sister. God wants to bless you too, brothers. But you got to jump in. You got to be committed. Somebody say committed and start serving in the house of God. God is gonna bless you too. Somebody say God's gonna bless me. Bless Pastor tell me all the time ain't nothing wrong with being blessed, son. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with being blessed. But commitment, commitment doesn't come with an off and on switch. You can't say click, okay, I'm committed this week, but you know somebody in the church made me uh, mad, so I'm gonna click it off. Now I'm not committed anymore. It don't work like that, right? If there's an offense, right, that happens in the church, guess what you do as a Christian. You confront the offense, and you work it out. You talk it out. But here's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to create an offense in someone in the church, and he wants to separate the person that the offense is towards because he doesn't want any reconciliation to happen. He don't want there to be love or unity in the church. When the devil sees a church that's unified and focused, he gets scared because Jesus, didn't Jesus tell his disciples on this rock The gates of hell can't even prevail. So when we begin to unify and become focused, we make Satan scared. We make the devil start shaking. The devil gets nervous. There's all kinds of spiritual warfare going on. Everybody wonders why they're mad at everybody. We can't figure out. We're all trying to have prayer and everybody cussing each other out. We're trying to figure out what's going on. Because the devil wants to hit us at any angle he can. He knows that when we're a unified church, man, there's nothing under the sun that we can't accomplish. Amen. For with man, things are possible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen? So number one, my first point was, when it comes to servanthood, you've got to first be committed to God and his church. Number two, here's my second point. A committed servant is committed to people. A committed servant is committed to people. People, like those ones you was talking about before service. People, like the ones that you don't want to be around when the service is over. People. The one you caught an offense towards last week. Yeah. People. A committed servant is committed to people. And guess what? A commitment If I have a commitment with you, guess what? It don't matter how mad we are at each other or or whatever kind of emotions and feelings we have towards each other. Guess what? We are committed. We're committed. Our relationship has a commitment that goes further than any temporary situation or feelings or emotions that's been stirred up recently. There's a commitment there. And if you stay around here long enough and join this family, you have a commitment from us. We are committed to you. We are committed to you. Whatever's going on, we can work it out. Whatever differences we have, we can get over it. We can find a solution. Whatever problem that's been occurring, guess what? If we just talk about it and bring it to the front, we can get past it. This too shall pass. We will get over it. Somebody say, I'll get over it. I'll get over it. Now I just need some people to believe it. Amen. But we're committed to you. Leadership, pastoralship. we are committed to you. We're committed to you. In the home, we are committed to you. It don't matter how many times you mess up. Do we are committed to you. We are committed to you. We're there for you. Your pastor, your director, your leaders, we are there for you. We are committed to you. We are committed to you. I don't think somebody can mess up more times than me. So we are committed to you. <laughs> Amen? And God's still using my life. Amen. Come on, somebody. Oh, that's funny? <laughs> Yeah, I know who's washing dishes now. <laughs> we must be committed to people. We must be committed to people. Check this out. You may have never noticed this. Some of my disciples that I've shared this with. The book of Job. In the book of Job, the first few chapters, the first couple chapters, it talks about all these things Job has. He's got all this wealth and this livestock and all this family and all these materialistic things. He's got all this blessed life and this career. And then Satan, roaming to and fro, comes up to God and says, hey, what about, you know, what's going on? Who can I test? And God says, what, What, have you tried my servant Job? Right? And if you notice in the second chapter, everything is stripped away from Job. Everything. Takes everything away from him. And if you start, I think it's like in Job 3, all the way to like 40-something, like the, the chapter before the end. Do you know what the book of Job's about? It's about people. Job's interactions with people. That's all it's about. It's Job's interactions with people. Talking to people. Helping people. right? Bouncing his life off of people. It's just about people. Now, Now, entertain this for a second. In the last chapter of Job, God restores all his fortunes, all his things, everything he has. Twice as much. He gives them even more abundant life. Now, entertain this for a second. If it was me evaluating this book of Job, do you know what I see? I see a man who was a servant of God that got too concerned about things, and God had to take some things away from him so he would get committed and concerned again about people. And when he got committed and concerned again about people, God gave him twice as much than he took from him the first time. Guess what God was trying to deal with the man of God? Guess what he was trying to show him? You as a man of God, you as a servant of God, you are called to serve people. You are called to interact with people. You are called to help people. Go with me to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 6. A true servant of God, a committed servant, a committed servant is, somebody say is. is. Not has to be or, or may be. Or will be. No. A committed servant is committed to people. Man. You got it on the board? Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4 starting in verse 6. And the word of God reads. Amen. And so we know the story of Jonah, right? Man of God called to preach to the to the Ninevites, called to preach to Nineveh. Well, he comes in and God says, hey, I've called you to a work. I've called you to preach, to help, and to interact with people. I've called you to a, a specific. Somebody say specific. Because our God is intentional and he deals with specifics. He called this man to a specific people to reach and minister to a specific people. And do you know what Jonah did? Jonah said, no, I ain't serving people. I ain't. Helping people and guess what God, especially not those people Especially not those people and then the Bible says that Jonah because he didn't want to do what God had called him to do He didn't want to help people. He didn't want to be committed to people that he didn't like guess what it says he fleed from the presence of the Lord But wait, I thought Jonah was running from the work. I thought Jonah was running from the people Well, guess what? When you run away from the area, the calling, the work, the people that God wants to surround you with, and the reality is you're fleeing from the presence of the Lord. You're running away from God, man. Quit tripping. And then we pick up here in the last chapters, we know the big fish swallowed him up, and he got spit out on dry land. And he went and he, he did what God called him to do anyway. He went and he helped those people. He preached to those people. The Ninevites repented and he got mad. The Ninevites repented. And so we pick up here in chapter four and the Word of God reads So the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from the discomfort. Oh, he's praising now because he's trying to find some comfort. He's trying to find some security. He's trying to find some pleasure. You see, he wasn't concerned about helping people. He didn't want to help people. He didn't want to do nothing for people. He didn't want to interact with people. But now he's got a little comfort in his life, and he's just as happy as can be. And it says Jonah was extremely happy about a plant. He could care less about 120,000 Ninevites die and go to hell, but he was happy about a plant. Keep going. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it wintered. And when the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head. So he became faint, and he begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason, God. God. That plant gave me shade and it's hot. That plant was comfortable. That plant brought me security. It brought me pleasure. Angry even to death. Keep going. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you didn't work and you didn't cause to grow. It came up overnight and it perished overnight. You know what this is right here? This is whatever brings you comfort outside of the work of God, outside of the will of God. Whatever you try and make happen yourself, whatever tries to bring you comfort or try to bring you security outside true service to God, that's what it is. He's trying to find comfort in it. And then God says, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't know the difference between their right and their left, I suppose, and their left hand, as well as many animals? And so right here, and this, this tripped me out when I read this. Jonah had more compassion about a plant than he did all these people that would die and go to hell if he didn't allow God to use his life to reach these people. He had more compassion for material things than he did for these people that God wanted to use him to reach. He had more compassion for a plant. And do you know Jonah was so mad that God gave these people a second chance right after God just gave him a second chance. You know what the moral of the story is? Jonah got outside of the fish, but he never got outside of self. He got outside of the pain He got got away from the tribulation, the depression. He got away from the drug addiction again. He got out of the jail system. He got away from the trials and the hurt. He got away from the broken heart. He got away from all that, but he never got outside of self. And I'm here to tell you today if you don't get outside of self, your situation is just gonna be recurring. It's gonna keep happening. You're gonna be going in a circle, you're gonna keep bumping your head until you finally wake up one day and say, you know what? I am going to devote my life to something more than just me. I am going to devote my life to something more than just me. Me trying to get something further in my life, progressing my life. Me trying to get material things. Me trying to own stuff. Me trying to do everything for me, 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 me. You're going to be just like Jonah. You're going to end up hap- or, or depressed and disappointed every time. You're going to it, It's a trip if you think about it. People who chase, people who try to fill themselves up, people who who chase life lose life. People, People who try to chase things to fill them up, they become empty. That's crazy, right? And then the people who empty themselves for God and others become filled up. Jesus tried to tell us, saints, it's not a mystery. If you only are concerned about your life and living for your life, You're gonna lose your life. That's the word of Jesus Christ. But if you lose your life for the gospel's sake, the word of God says you shall gain it in this life and the life after. That's the words of Jesus. That is the unadulterated, unwatered down word of God that you are gonna hear and experience here at Victory Life. We're not gonna water it down, we're not gonna tell you any other way. If you want to earn your life, you got to lose your life for the gospel's sake. Why do you think 5,000s, 10,000s came to Jesus and they wanted healings and they wanted restoration and they wanted provision and they wanted deliverance? And Jesus entertained it. He, you know, he preached and he, he delivered people from demons and he healed people. But at the end of the day, when all the people seeking things and it was just left with the people just seeking Jesus... He shared the true inner secrets of the kingdom of God. The 12 disciples. At the end of the day, there was only 12 out of thousands. And so on that ratio, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good around here on that ratio. If 12 out of every hundred thousand are really about this Christian life, we are doing pretty good. We are doing pretty good here. Amen? We are doing pretty good. Man, I got to get through this. He said I'm long-winded. He he spoke it over my life tonight. He long-winded, son. He preached it wrong. If you can't have compassion on God's people, it's because you don't realize God has been compassionate towards you. If you can't have compassion on God's people, it's because you really don't realize that God has been so compassionate to you. Amen? Are you okay to keep going? It's because you can't understand that God's compassion has been you know experienced to you. The book of Job, right? The book of Jonah. Jonah had compassion on a plant. God had compassion on people. Jonah had compassion on a plant, which he had no investment. God created all those men, and he had compassion on them. God had compassion on the innocent. Jonah had compassion on a plant. Jonah had compassion on himself. God had compassion on everyone else. On everyone else. He loved the plant, but he couldn't care for people. Amen? And so check this out. I'm about to share some scriptures with you, what the Word of God says you're supposed to do to other people. Y'all ready for this? Got about 30 of them. Let's go. Number one, Romans 12.10, the Word of God says you got to be devoted to one another. Commitment. We're talking devotion. Number two, Romans 12.10, it says give preference to one another. Give preference to one another. Yeah, I used to tell the guys, when I was in the home, and we would get blessed with like a pizza, or we would get blessed with some kind of food or snack or something, and we'd come up, and the guys there in the home, right, they would want some too. And in my inner man, because then, back then, I was so innocent in the things of God, right, and God was just dealing with me on such small things, I I would fight with myself and say, man, there's one piece left, or there's two pieces left, and one has more pepperoni, and I really want the one with more pepperoni. But he needs a piece. And I would war with him myself, and I'd say, you know what? I'm going to give him the piece with more pepperoni. And guess what? No one in this world would know that I gave more pepperoni away <laughs> than I wanted. You know what I was doing? I was giving preference to one another. I was giving preference to somebody else. Guess what? Nobody had to know that good deed I did. Nobody had to do, you know what, God probably blessed me with a, a meat lover's stuffed crust, you know, a week, a week or two later. You know, God probably blessed the mess out of me. Because whatever good you do in secret, guess what, saints, God will bless publicly. When you're doing something good, don't let everybody know. Because you just want God to know because he'll bless you publicly for it. When you give preference to one another, you ain't got to let everybody know. Well, I helped him out. And I didn't have to. You see what I did? That's all the blessing you're going to get. Amen. Number three, Romans 12 16, be the same mind toward one another. Number four, Romans 13 8, and this is all word of God. For all you uh, yeah, y'all can look it up. Romans 13 8, love one another. Number five, Romans 14 19, build up one another. Romans 15 7, accept one another. Romans 15 14, admonish one another. Romans 16 16, greet one another. First Corinthians 12 25, have the same care for one another. Keep it rolling. Galatians 5.13, serve. Somebody say serve. Serve, serve one another. Ephesians 4.2, show tolerance. That hit us all, huh? Show tolerance for one another. Yeah, they a knucklehead, but the Word of God says you've got to put up with them. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. Ephesians 5.21, be subject to one another. Wow. Philippians 2.3, regard one another as more important than yourself. Colossians 3.13, bear with one another. Colossians 3.13, again, forgive one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, comfort one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another. I mean, it just keeps going, man. 1 Thessalonians 5.13, live in peace with one another. The next one, seek after that which is good for one another. The next one, stimulate. Somebody say, Stimulate. Stimulate one another. I didn't say stimulate. Stimulate one another to love and do good deeds. The next one, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Employ your spiritual gift to one another. If you know how to do something that I don't do, the word of God says you are called to help me out. That's why I keep Bobby around me. He knows I to do everything I don't do. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Do not judge one another. Let us not envy one another. Let us not challenge one another. Do not lie to one another. Do not speak against one another. Do not complain against one another. If you still feel saved after this, man, my gosh. But these are the things that the Word of God tells us to do to one another, to other people in our lives. All these things. As a Christian, this is what we're called to do. This is what we're called to do. Oh, well, I'm not going to be a home director or a pastor. Nobody said nothing about a home director or a pastor. We're talking about a Christian. If you're saved, this is what will flow out of you. If you're religious, this is what you will try to attempt to do without the Holy Spirit. And if you're not saved and you're critical, this is what you'll talk bad about, about Christians really doing it. Amen. The only way we can accomplish this, these 32 one anothers, the only way is by being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you can do this. That's the only way. There have been many times in my life, there have been people that I could care less if they make it. Let me be honest. Let me be truthful. Right. Let me be real. There's times when people burn me so bad, I could care less what happens to them. Whatever. could care less. And you know what happens every time? I have an encounter with God, and God's love supernaturally comes into me, and I begin to pray for that person. I'm, I'm being serious. I'm not even lying. People that have hurt me so bad. Oh, I hate you. I don't care what happens to you. I will get filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I will have an encounter with God And I will begin to take time out of my prayer life, out of my day, when I could be saying, God, give me, give me, give me, and I will pray for that person. That's only by the Spirit of God. That's only by the Spirit of God. People that have hurt you, that have wronged you, that you don't want to forgive, that have done horrible things to you, people who weren't there when they were supposed to be there, guess what? If you truly have an encounter with God, you will be able to forgive and pray for that person. That's why we try to give you so many opportunities to get with God. That Holy Spirit that fills you is what's going to give you the power to forgive. Amen? Number three, my last point. Worship team, come on. Number three, when it comes to servanthood, you got to be committed to the work. When it comes to servanthood, you got to be committed to the work. you got to be committed to the work. Write this down. Number one, you must be willing to sacrifice for the work. you got to be willing to sacrifice for the work. You know, Pastor, you know, gets on the leadership. Make a disciple. Make a disciple. Make a disciple. And you know, Pastor tells us, guess what? If all of y'all leave, all the directors, all the leaders, anyone that's been here a while, If everyone left, guess what would happen? Our pastor would be over here at the home stirring up the anointing of God. He would be over here cooking the lunch. He'd be over here uh, uh, hitting the streets, whatever it took. Because the work that God put on his life is what he's committed to. And so guess what? If you're going to be committed to a work of God, you have to be willing to sacrifice for the work. Might not be no days off for three years. Huh? Yeah. You might not get a day off for three years. Three years. Four years. You might not get a day off for four years. You got to be willing to sacrifice for the work. Some of us, the first time the work of God asks for a sacrifice, we're done. No, can't do it. Done. Number two, you must be available for the work. You can't use somebody that's not here. You know, Pastor used to tell him, you know why Zachariah's a home director? He's all I had. He's the only one to stay. He's the only one that's here. Ain't got nobody. Else. Ain't nothing super spiritual about him. He ain't really even good at nothing. He's just That's all I got, man. I was like, Thanks, Pastor. Man, I feel encouraged now. Yes. I can go on another day now, Pastor. I was available. And guess what? The, the next time God says it's time to send somebody, guess what? I'm going to be available. I'm be available. I'm here and I'm available. But like the prophet said, send me, I'll go. I'm available. We want to get mad at God because we're not doing the next season in our life. Well, were we available when there was time to go to the next season? Were we available? Can't use Somebody's not here. You can't launch out somebody's not here. You must have a single-minded attention for the work. You must have a single-minded attention for the work. And I'm real bad about it. ADHD or whatever. I'll start doing something, I'll start something else, I'll start something else. I'll have five projects going on. But when you're talking about the work of God, you have to have a single-minded attention. It has to be your attention, it has to be your focus. One lane, one track when it comes to the work of God. Because the work of God sometimes it's life or death for people. It's serious. It's real. You make a wrong move in the work of God, man, somebody could get really hurt. Thank you, Jesus. You have to stay committed even when you don't see the results you want to see. you have to stay committed even when you see the results you don't want to see giving your life to this thing pouring out your heart day in and day out giving it everything you got and never seeing any positive results there's going to be times like that there's going to be seasons like this you're giving it everything you got you're pouring your heart and your soul into it and it seems like nothing's working it seems like you're not going forward. It seems like you can't get any positive results. You can't get the you can't reap the harvest. You can't get what God's shown you. Maybe just maybe, God wants to see if you're committed. God told Abraham that he was going to be a blessing to all people. Abraham's descendants were going to be numerous as the stars. He was going to use his life in an awesome and great way. But first, he wanted to see if Abraham was truly committed. God told Abraham to take his son up the mountain, the one he waited years for in his old age. He waited years for it in his old age. All the, all the, the, the negativity and criticism he probably heard from people, man, you ain't never going to get launched out. Man, you ain't never going to do nothing. Man, you ain't never going to go nowhere. Man, God's never going to use your life in that manner. But God was just preparing this man to see if he was truly committed to the work. I don't know where you're at right now with God. I don't know what kind of vision God's birthed inside of you. But I can tell you here tonight, if you are not 100% sold out, committed to it, you'll never see it accomplished. You'll never see it through. God wants to stand to your feet. God wants to know tonight. As the lights are faded, God wants to know tonight, are you a committed servant? If you're not committed to serve right now where you're at, you're not going to serve later. Are you a committed servant? God don't need no fancy preacher. God don't need nobody with all the experience. God doesn't need anybody with all the talents and gifts. All God needs is someone available and faithful. This altar is going to be open. This worship team is going to lead us into the presence of God. I hope this word was a blessing to you tonight. And before I close, I'd like to tell you that we are created to serve. We are saved to serve. We are called to serve. We are gifted to serve. We are commanded to serve. Our service is needed. And saints, we serve. Because we love Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for your anointing to be upon the men and the women that were in this room tonight. Lord, I pray, God, that they see a harvest of your word that was sown in the soil of their hearts, a thirty to sixty and some a hundredfold, God. I pray, Lord, you give a special measure of grace upon those few people that you were really trying to push this word home, God, and allow them to apply it to their life, God. Allow their commitment level to serving you be increased after tonight, Jesus. I pray for your anointing to be upon that, what I claim and what I pray in the name of Jesus. And for anyone struggling with commitment issues tonight, God, I pray you release it from them and you give them an anointing to push forward even though they don't see the results they wanna see, God. We know that you are faithful even when we are not, and we can trust and rely on your word when everything else says different. We claim it and we pray it in Jesus' name.